Hi, Gauri here. We've collected the best insights from the first 20 Knowledge Base Ninjas episodes into a clear and concise ebook. Simply send a blank email to ninja at bcast.email. That's ninja at bcast.email and it will be sent right back to you. Thank you. Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Where Gauri Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good afternoon everyone. Our guest today is Rahel Bailey, senior consultant and founder at Content Seriously Consulting. Welcome Rahel to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. And thank you for having me on the um on the show. Fantastic. So let's kick off this podcast by another quick introduction about yourself. Please feel free to um add more to what you are doing currently and uh, how did it all start? Okay. Um well, I started off in technical communication back in the 1990s and then um at some point went into um education educational material and came back to kind of high tech and then in 2001 I moved into content strategy and I've been there ever since um I called myself content strategist before the term was even known and that was a little bit of a bumpy ride but once content strategy started to be on the map then um then it was more clear sailing from there and in um 2012 i started getting inquiries about working in the uk and um i kept getting gigs in the uk so now i've settled here and i just became a citizen actually many congratulations on the citizenship part uh, rahil so it's very interesting to know how you have transformed into various roles so please share your journey into opening your own consultancy So when I was um a technical communicator during the first dot com crash in you know around uh 1999 2000 um there was you know this downturn in the market and Canada especially Vancouver it was Silicon Valley north so a lot of American companies would come and open a branch office in Vancouver and when they needed to cut their budget they just cut the vancouver office so i found myself um out of a job and looking for something to do and i went to a career consultant um who said basically you are working way below your level you should either be uh, a director of contents um of technical communication or you should um open your own consultancy and because all these offices were closing down it seemed that the best thing to do would be to open my own consultancy and it was probably the best decision i ever made because i was more in control of my career and i could do the kind of um you know strategic gigs that i wanted to do you know i i would get the strategic content um 
contracts and it's it suited me better so at um in my other job that you know that I left just before then I remember uh working with the director of client services to automate a lot of things and the the boss that I had at the time the director who was operating way above her level she she was basically saying this is terrible you're you're going to turn us into to proofreaders and I thought you really don't get it, do you? And so, you know, now when I'm going as a consultant, instead of being um, ignored and um, and so on, I was working with people who really got the value proposition of why you would want to um, automate all the rote tasks and then be able to spend your time doing more strategic things. And it just suited me. So I've, I've been doing that more or less ever since. Great. So you feel more rewarding, correct? When you have your own uh, business and own, own consultancy. Yes. Yes. Super. So uh, what led you to change from being a technical communicator to a content strategist then? Well, um, I think it's it's not mutually exclusive. Like I think you can have content strategists who are strategists for technical communication, but in my case, I was getting contracts. Some of them had to do with technical communication and some had to do with um, kind of pure play web marketing or journalism sites. So I kind of branched out. So I wouldn't say I left technical communication, but I went up a level in, in terms of I didn't actually deliver content deliverables anymore what i delivered was the strategies that would help people deliver their deliverables better <laughs> if that makes any sense yes so absolutely absolutely that that's the way my brain works i was always about efficiency and systems and now they have something called system thinking i was always a system thinker without knowing it and i was um and I was always a consultant without knowing it in that ter- in terms of being the person who is always looking at uh, workflows and thinking there must be a better way, there must be a better way. So I think that's what led me to do that because I was tired of doing things in kind of old, clunky, manual ways. Um, I wanted to think bigger and think more efficiently and and. Being a content strategist allows me to do that. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So as important factors when creating your content, what would you consider? Oh, um, so this is another one of, you know, it depends. So it depends on the type of content. It depends on um, what you're going to do with the content. So if I were to think of some universal truths, I guess, it would be make sure that your content is semantically marked up and make sure that it's um, categorized well so that you can automate whatever you need to automate down the line. So the big push now is to be able to scale. You know, the companies are growing and they want to be able to scale content production. And they want to be able to uh, personalize. And the only way you can do this with any efficiency is to really mark up your content. 
and you know, so you can chunk it up, market up, market up all of those intelligent content principles that Anne Rockley talks about. So these are the factors that I would say are, are universal. Now, technical communicators are way ahead of um, the marketers on this because we had to do more with less for decades. So, um, you know, working in FrameMaker, working in online help, being able to do multi-channel publishing, that's been our bread and butter for years. Whereas, you know, the other side of the house is uh, kind of catching up to us. But on the other hand, they've had more budget, so they have access to way better tools in, in other areas. So uh, it's a little bit of a, a trade-off. But I think the, the, the universality of um, making content into intelligent content is you know, the most important factor. Mm-hmm. That's nice. That's nice. Um... Uh, Rahel, so how do you measure or is there a way to measure the quality of uh, the content? Well, there are many ways to measure. And I think, first of all, you have to define quality. What does quality mean? So you could have quality that's uh, of content that's um, very good editorial quality, but maybe your audience has literacy issues and it's not plain language enough, in which case, that definition of quality would have to be changed to include low literacy. So you, first of all, you have to define quality. And for me, quality is, does it get the job done? Can people do what they need to do? Uh, do they have a behavior change? And that behavior change is, you know, I wanted to fix something. I wanted to complete a task. I, um, I was convinced to buy something. You know, there, there are many ways to describe that. And then the quality is, did the content do that? And uh, when I think about quality, I don't think only about copy, because I, I always say that there are two sides to content. There's an editorial side and a technical side. So if you don't um, take care of the technical side of your content, then it's not quality either, even if the copy is a very, very high quality. So again, you know, with the tagging and the categorizing, you have to have high quality copy, but it also has to be chunked appropriately and it has to have the right language and it has to uh, have the right tags on it and it needs to have all of those measures and then you have to perform analytics on it to say did did it actually do the job and uh, and if it didn't then you have to iterate it so uh, measuring the, the quality of the content starts from at the beginning how you write it and then you know on a technical side how you mark it up and then after the, the delivery of it and after people view it, did it actually do the job? So, um, you know, if you're looking at tools, there are many tools. There are, you know, the, the really um, kind of state-of-the-art uh, artificial intelligence-driven tools like uh, Acrolinks or Congri, right down to the kind of um, DIY um, tools like Hemingway, if you want to just measure how good is your copy, but that doesn't measure how good your content is. So I think that it's not about a tool per se, it's about the methodology. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. So um, as a content writer, what do you think uh, one should have as the most important quality in order to succeed? Wow, that's a, that's a big one. Um, the most important quality, I think, is uh, 
I'm going to call it that. Um, but it's two parts. It's it's a natural curiosity. So how does this work? How can I explain it better? You know, that natural curiosity to always be asking the question uh, of like, but why? But why? <laughs> yeah. And this is where the five whys method comes in uh, handy because you're always asking, yes, but why? How does this work? And why does it work this way? But also, you know, the, the flip side of that is to say, and um, how can I deliver this? But why? But why do we have to use Microsoft Word? But why do we have to uh, put a PDF up on the site when we know that our users hate them? But why? So, you know, it's it's kind of that natural curiosity, but on two sides of, of the content spectrum, you know, both on the editorial and the technical side. It, because if you don't have that, you know, how could I do this better? How can I deliver it faster? How could I, um, uh, you know, automate the personalization? Then you're always going to fall behind your competition if you don't have that natural curiosity to be able to push back at the powers that be. And people who just kind of plot along and do it, that's good for the present, but they all soon find themselves kind of in an outdated model. Understand. So the question, always keep questioning as to why certain things are happening, correct? Yes. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. So that's why we say children are very curious. They want to know why certain things are happening and you you end up answering most of the time for their advice. <laughs> I actually, I found a, a flaw in an algorithm. And I, anyone who knows me knows that I'm very dyscalculic and I really struggle with math at you know on any level i have to see something written down but because i was trying to explain it i found that i couldn't explain it i couldn't explain the algorithm and so i went to the the guy who wrote it and he and a couple of guys were standing there on a whiteboard and i was saying okay the, the way i understand this works is like this and mm -hmm. it's it doesn't work because when you get to this i should be telling them to do something else, but it tells me that this is going to happen. But according to my explanation, this other thing happens. And they had to kind of go, oh, actually, you're right. <laughs> that only happened because I was really curious. It's like, why, why does this not make sense to me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. So I'm going to move to our um, very exciting round, the rapid fire round. Okay. Um, so who have you learned the most about content from in your career? Wow. Um, can I have two two answers? Yes, okay. please. Please feel free. Yeah. Anne Rockley and Scott Abel. All right. Super. So do you want to add a little bit more to them? Oh, sure. Sure. Yes. So Anne Rockley had kind of come up with certain concepts over the years of, you know, single sourcing and, and intelligent content. And that's... Um, that's been so helpful in in shaping how I view the world when it comes to content. And um, and Scott Abel um, kind of, um, let's say, tag teams with, with Anne because he's um, he's got that uh, razor-sharp ability to kind of cut through all the, the nonsense and we'll get right down to it and say, actually, that those three things that you mentioned aren't the problem at all. The problem is... You know, when the boss decides that he's going to um, dig his heels in, 
then you, you're you stuck. So that's the problem that you have to solve before you can solve these other problems. I would go, oh my gosh, he's so right. <laughs> so, you know, they really taught me to think about content in a holistic way and in a big picture way. And I'm ever grateful for them. I wouldn't have become the consultant uh, that I am if, if it hadn't been for them. Thank you, both of you. So can you share a content-related resource you have consumed recently? So uh, what do you mean by a content-related resource? Do you mean like a book that I've read or something like that? Yeah, it could be a book, a blog, or some nice write-up from some from some community websites. Uh, anything that you wow. have consumed recently that you can share with our audiences today. Actually, in the last little while, I have been reading about... Um, exponential transformation and exponential organizations. And one of the things that they had, and so it's about growth. So if companies want to grow, what do they need to do? And um, the fellow who um, kind of started this movement, his name is Salim Ismail. And I've known Salim for, for years and years and years, but he's gone on to do really exciting things in the, in the last uh, decade or so since I've uh, really sat down to talk with him. And he wrote this um, book on uh, like how the 10, the, no, sorry, the 11 things you need to grow. So he has a, a mnemonic that tells you 10 things. And when you ask what's the 11th thing, 11th thing, he will say information enablement. If you are a company that cannot get your content out there, well, content and data, so your information, if you can't get it out there, in a very agile way, in a very rapid way, you can't grow. You can never be um, an Airbnb, an Uber, a Spotify, all these companies who are disruptors, unless you can enable all your information. How to do it? He doesn't say. He says it's very um, situational on, uh, on your company, and I completely agree. But you have to be able to do it. And we see this problem um, this year where everyone had to respond to covid all of a sudden, and you could either do it the hard way, like get a bunch of developers to work, um, you know, 20 hours a day for a month to get your content enabled. Or if you had paid attention to your content people from the beginning, then you could turn around and, you know, pivot on a dime and enable all this new content. So um, that was the most fascinating resource I was reading it, it was about content, but it wasn't about content, but it has everything to do with content. I understand. Super. So I uh, this is um, a question that I always look forward to ask towards the end of this podcast. So I would like to hear from you, Rahil. What is the one piece of content-related advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? Oh, that's such a good question. I would say to my 20-year-old self, there are jobs where you can work with words and you don't have to try to pigeonhole yourself into some other, um, other profession that you're not going to enjoy. If you enjoy working with words, there are jobs out there. You just have to go and find them. Super, super. That That's a, that's a good tip. So, just and with all the podcast um, series I have done so far, uh, one thing I can clearly see is 
there's so many variations to content writing, like UI, UX developers, uh, uh, technical uh, architects or um, technical or documentation managers. So there is a number of profession with content writing and documentation. Do you agree with me? Oh, yes. There are so many permutations and combinations. And I actually did a presentation a few years ago at LavaCon where I talked about all the different um, things that people can be called and how they're slightly the same but slightly different. And um, and it, it, it continues on today, and I think it will. And the, the frustrating thing for me, and I, I think I'm going to write this into a, a Medium post at some point, is that uh, when you look at this, uh, these drop-down lists where they say, what is your primary profession? And they'll say, you know, manufacturing, consulting, services, da, da, da. And they will have 10 kinds of art. But then content is nowhere. You go to the very bottom and it will say writing and editing, as if that's the only thing that you have. And content has become, in the last 20 years, it has become an industry into itself. And so true, it's really true. frustrating when everyone just lumps everything into, oh, you're a writer. No, mm-hmm. I'm not a yeah. writer. I don't write anything anymore. The only thing I write are um, are strategies uh, and and reports. And sometimes I will write a sample piece of content to say, this is what I mean by chunking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually write. And, you know, like I don't deliver because I'm a consultant, but I'm very much in content. So where where do I fit on this on this matrix? And so I think a lot of us in content have that same situation where the um, the job classifications have not kept up with the industry, and so everyone just thinks content is content. It's like this boring stuff that you sit in the corner and knit. <laughs> you know, you knit some content. And, um, and it's not. And, and so I think for the next. Um, my next uh, windmill that I'll tilt at is getting people to put content on the roadmap. Yeah, true, true. Very true, Rachel. So thank you once again for your time today. And uh, I I think it's been an amazing journey you had and uh, especially sharing it with us, it makes us even more um, uh, feel nice. So is there any last bits of uh, tips and tricks you would like to share with our audience before we say bye to them? I don't think so. I think we've covered quite a lot of ground in this uh, in this half hour. 20 uh, plus minutes, yeah, true. For having me um, participate. And, um, you know, I, I looked at your list of guests and it's very impressive. I'm going to go back and uh, listen to some of the episodes. Fantastic. Please do so and uh, support us and the community and keep doing what you're doing. You're doing an amazing job. Enjoy your day and have a lovely afternoon. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.